Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for seeing, thanks for seeing, thanks for downloading, thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. We're in the food space today, a cool new brand called Sun and Swell. Like, I love the name. I can't wait to ask Kate Flynn, who's on, like, where did that come from and how did you come up with this idea? But I'm so excited you're here with us, Kate. I can't wait to dive into your products um, and your story. It's so cool. Um, and so thanks for taking time to be here. Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, it's so great. Um, Kate also has a consulting background, so I was all excited. We were talking about some of our mutual interest in that space um, before launching her brand. You're going to hear a little bit about that today. Um, but you're really going to love this product, all around organic foods. Um, and it's a really cool story. So let's do this. Before we get to Sun and Swell, which I love that Sun and Swell. You said it's fast. It's like hard to say. Um, but talk about your background. Share with our audience a little bit about you and how you got into the food business. Yeah, so um, I started my career actually in the world of accounting. I was an auditor for about three years, um, which was good experience, but not necessarily my passion. Uh, but during my time there, I could tell I was really interested in, like I was always super excited when we were working on the clients that had to do with like retail and consumer products. So I could tell early on in my career, I'm a retail consumer products, like that. that's that's where my passion is. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, I ended up going to business school. I went to um, I went to Harvard Business School for um, uh, for a, a two year program. Graduated from HBS and went into management consulting. I worked at a firm called Kurt Salmon that specifically focused in the retail and consumer products niche. So a smaller firm, but really laser focused on the areas uh, or the industry that I knew I really wanted to spend my time. Love that. Yeah. I, and um, what Harvard Business School, amazing. Um, Kurt Salmon, a great firm. And for those in consulting, you probably know it, that's, that that firm was just all about retail and right everything around it. And yeah. just really had a niche there. And I'd had a lot of friends that went to work there and that was always their focus, right? Yeah. And they've since, they've since been acquired by Accenture. So they're now part of a bigger firm. But um, but yeah, I was in a really interesting group. I was in the um, private equity and strategy group up in San Francisco. So my specific group was really focused on um, working on brand and growth strategy with large retailers, but then also helping private equity firms, um, working with them during their due diligence to acquire smaller CPG brands. And um, so that was kind of my first taste into the world of, even though I was not working you know, for a startup, I was seeing these emerging brands get acquired. And that was kind of my first taste of, of the world of, of that I'm in now. <laughs> right. Very, very cool. Great pedigree and like background to get into this industry. So where did the idea come from for Sun and Swell Foods? Like how did this, this idea come to you? What did it look like at first? Yeah. So I feel like I have a pretty classic uh, food entrepreneur story. I was, I, I, I switched my diet. I, I went from um, you know, being really strict about calories and carbs and stuff like that to really just focusing on ingredient labels and reading exactly what was in the food I was eating. Um, I, you know, the, I took on this new lifestyle when it came to food of eating only whole real foods. I found it impossible to find those types of foods in the stores. Everything was, um, 
full of added sugars and preservatives and all these things. And I, you know, I had a personal need that wasn't being filled. Um, that was the first, the first part of it. And the second part of it as, um, you know, sitting in my seat as a consultant, seeing all these industry trends in the food industry, I could see where the industry was moving towards. And I could see that like, this wasn't a unique thing to me. This was something that the market was shifting towards, um, whole foods, real foods, plant-based diets, um, all that all organic, all those things. And, um, so, you know, that, that's, it, it was kind of personal need coupled with seeing the industry was going that way, made it seem like, um, the right fit plus feeling burnt out as a consultant and ready right. to do the next thing. <laughs> but, no, I get it. That's, that's, that's really cool. So, um, some of the snacks today, organic cashew pieces, organic medjool dates. I'm like, mm. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert. I know you'll tell us about that in a minute. Rolled oats, mango. Um, where did it start? Did, was there like one thing you thought I'm going to go do that first or was it, a, what did it look like kind of initial idea after you decided I'm going to start something? Yeah. So we've definitely evolved. Um, we started with one single, <laughs> one single product line. <laughs> they were our energy bites. Um, oh, it's a, interesting. It's a, a date and cashew energy, bite. it's still our, it's still our top product today. Um, we are one of our top products today. They're, um, you can find those in Whole Foods. That's kind of that's kind of what we sell usually, typically through wholesale channels. Is these these en- energy bites? That's where we started. One product line, three SKUs. Um, but as we as the business grew and evolved, we really got invested into not just like creating one like a one little line of healthy organic snacks. Um, we also use uh, compostable packaging, which is something that sets us apart. And what we realized was there was this bigger hole in the market for um, really just a place where people can come shop and buy, like fill their entire pantry with organic, healthy, sustainable foods. So from that line, we now offer a complete assortment of um, uh, snacks and pantry staples. So at first, though, you decided to do the bars uh, like how did you make them? Like, where did you go to put it together? How did you figure out packaging and everything? I made them in my kitchen to start. I love that. <laughs> Perfect. We, uh, I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Started in our kitchen, tested them with our friends and family. Um, we actually still self-manufacture today. Not, I'm not making the product anymore. We have a team and a facility and all that stuff, but it started kind of very first started in our, our home kitchen. We quickly learned there's this funny rule with food that if you don't fall into this black and white list of uh, what's called the cottage industry, at least here in California, you can't actually sell food out of your home kitchen. So we had to, um, early on, we had to rent, you know, we were working, renting someone's space on the evenings uh, and weekends and making stuff out of a shared kitchen. Um, But in terms of uh, like how I figured it all out, how I figured out the packaging and all that stuff, I mean, literally mainly Googling. (laughs) (laughs) I found what worked really well for me is I found in Santa Barbara, a couple other food entrepreneurs who were just like one step ahead of me. They had already started their company. They already had their packaging and like, so really similar, but just a little bit farther ahead. And I got a lot of information from them. (laughs) Um, That's so helpful, right? I mean, yes. And and what I found is all the guests we have on a lot in the, the food and beverage space, they do find connectivity and people wanting to help, right? I mean, I, right. I, it's a very open community in terms of wanting to find others and help them get be successful. Totally, yes. I think that I think for me, what's been most helpful along every stage is 
like finding people kind of around where you are. Like, I think when you're just starting out, if you're trying to talk to the person who already has like a $20 million brand, that's like, first of all, are they going to so remember different. where they started? Right, and second right. of all, like you're so far, maybe they started totally differently. Like maybe they started by raising $5 million, you know, you, it's just right. so disconnected. And so really finding people that are pretty much on your same level, maybe a little bit ahead has been like the most help. And then you can mutually share advice and exchange information versus just like one person asking, asking, asking. That makes sense. That's actually a good point. Um, yeah, you almost have to segment like where people are, where brands are yeah. on that growth curve. Um, so talk about you start making your kitchen, you got to go to commercial kitchen. Like, wh- how did you get it out to begin with? Were you like making your own packaging? Were you taking it to food events? Were you, did you get into retail right away? What did that look like? Yeah, we were really focused on our local market in Santa Barbara. So I mean, like the very first time we brought it to the public was at like a local triathlon, um, which was (laughs) perfect. (laughs) Yeah, it was important for us to do like for us, it was important to have a stake in a ground of like, this is the date we're like putting our product out into the world. um, Because then it like, I was forced to, to land on a packaging design and all those things. But, um, we, so we start with local events and then, um, local, uh, retailers, just small one, you know, one single door local retailers. And then ultimately, um, you know, I'm based here in Santa Barbara. It's a pretty small market, but ultimately we expanded down into LA and just kind of, you know, went from one single store coffee shop to coffee shops that had, you know, five or 10 doors and just kind of kept building out and out and out. Wow. And were you having to do all that? Were you having to do all the selling and the pitching and the, you know, suggesting and bringing samples and all? Yeah, I was doing a lot of it. My, um, my co-founder is my husband, Brian, and he's like, he's like a, like, I mean, he's like sales, but his background (laughs) in sales, he's such a sales guy, but he was still working a full-time job. When we first started, like I was doing that, like, this was like, he was helping me on the side, but he was still working full-time. So it was like, this when he finally made the move over to like our company, I was so glad because I was like, I I'll, I can do sales, but I don't like it. Right. He's like the person who like loves it, you know. So no, that's actually a great point. So co-founder, so like, what? Are the, so he's got sales part. What part are you like best at? Oh, I'm definitely like the marketing and the branding. Um, we're both good at operations, and we both kind of so we, that's like shifted over time. But like I I've ended up with a lot of like the accounting finance type stuff. He's auditor. more on the operation side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was an auditor. <laughs> so. right. I mean, literally, I was like, I, I, I it took me a, uh, it took a lot for me to finally outsource bookkeeping to somebody else. It's like, I just really, <laughs> nice. it's like, but it's soothing. It's like a baby blanket or something for me. It's like this right. thing. Like, <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> but really funny. I, I no longer do the the bookkeeping. Um, but um, yeah, that's, I, you know, it's, it's, we, we try to divide and conquer versus trying to all do the same thing. Love it. So um, four or five years in here. So talk about how product has evolved. You were starting to say that earlier um, in terms of where you started versus where you are now. I was listing out products that you have now, but how has that product set changed like over time? Like what does that look like? Yeah, it's really gone from just offering a handful of snacks where we were primarily... And and really our channel strategy has a lot to do with this too. So we were selling snacks primarily through wholesale, Um, mainly these the energy bites we make, um, selling them through wholesale. And what shifted is we really, we still focus on wholesale, but we also really um, uh, focus on selling online and through our e-commerce site, like in wholesale, we're just a snack food brand. But when you look at us really comprehensively and like what we're offering on e-commerce, we're really a organic, healthy marketplace. Um, And we have 
like over a hundred SKUs, all it's all dry goods, um, all things that you don't need to be refrigerated. It's all stuff for your pantry. But instead of just having snacks, we also have, um, you know, grains and all these things. And what makes ours differentiated from what you could find anywhere else is a, we source directly from farms. So you're getting really high. We have this kind of network of, um, of farmers that we work with. So you're getting like really fresh food, but also um, everything's packed in compostable packaging. So if you're trying to live a zero waste, a low waste lifestyle, sure. we solve that that need as well. And how did you find the farms? How did you decide I'm going to add grains and legumes and I'm going to add superfoods and spices yeah. and seasoning? Like, how, have you th- how did you think about that? Yeah, well, the decision to add honestly largely came from our customers. Like we heard a lot of 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 people being like, "Listen, we love your organic snacks. We love that you use sustainable packaging, but like can you sell more things? Like can we buy can we just buy nuts from you? Can we just buy other things from you?" So that's really come from listening to our customers and what they wanted. Um and then sourcing the actually sourcing farms is really hard because mo- we work with like family farms in like the US and Uh, It's really hard to find like a lot of those, uh, those um, farms aren't spending a lot of time, like optimizing their search engine results on the, so it's like, but we kind of found, we fought, you know, we dug and dug and found some, and then um, through those, sometimes we're introduced to others. So it took a lot of like work, but, and we're continuing to add more. Really, really cool. Um, Talk about how your route to market has evolved. You know, obviously you got direct consumer, you're in some retail. How has retail expanded over time? Are you still doing door-to-door coffee shops or is it now, you know, distributors and larger retail? Yeah, well, we've always focused on, um, a big focus for us has largely been alternative channels. Um, So we do sell in some grocery, like I I mentioned Whole Foods, we're in um, this, the, um, they're kind of uh, SOPAC region, but um, we are, Otherwise, we're really focused on these alternative channels like coffee shops, um, hotels, fitness studios, things like that. And it tends to be a little, it's it's not quite like grocery where you just kind of get distributors and it's 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 every channel is different and every channel is unique. So sure. um we still are doing, it's still a lot of, you know, I guess door-to-door type selling. We're mainly going direct to these accounts. A lot of times they'll bring us into distributors, but what's different now is the accounts we're talking to are much larger accounts. So, Got and then it. also we have like um, a full-time um, sales rep who helps us. So he's kind of spending all his, you know, all the energy on that. And a lot of times we're, we are, we're, we do work with distributors now, but um, a lot of times we're opening the door through the, the, uh, you know, retailer and account themselves and then they're bringing us into their distributors. So in that model, then it's not so easy to forecast, in my, at least in my experience, in terms of like, we need this number of SKUs of this type or in another versus another type, because you're not like getting massive orders, right? From massive chain retailers, let's say, how do you guys decide how much to order of what from which farmers and, and whatnot? Yeah, well, one of the things that's made it possible is because we self-manufacture and so we have a lot of flexibility, like our inventory, we're not ordering um, like tons of product in advance. That being said, um, we are we are looking to transition some of our larger volumes of um, the bites specifically over to Copacker and it's it. the forecasting is becoming, we're realizing like, oh, this is a challenging thing that most like that it's it's an added level of challenging when you don't have the flexibility of doing it yourself you know like because when we do it ourselves almost every supplier we have can get us ingredients within two weeks our packaging lead times are a little bit longer than that but it's easier to manage and you know scale up and scale down manufacturing as we need to but um that will get that is a challenge we're starting to work through more now that we have um are shifting some business 
Got it. All right. So I'm sure people are like, wait, love it. Cool product. Love the um, SKUs. And I'm, I'm excited to order. Where did Sun and Swell come from? I mean, is it like, you know, it's sunny in California and it's swell? Like, for the, like, where did, how did you come up with the name of the company? I love it. Yeah. So, um, a funny story. So it's our original name was actually Swell Foods. And w- w- the whole time we wanted something that tied in with the ocean and the sun. I mean, we wanted something that felt like, made you think of California. Like we're based in Santa Barbara. Right. We want you to hear our name and like make you think of California. think of the California lifestyle. Totally. And the first name was originally Swell Foods. We ended up getting in a little, apparently we were violating some trademark um, infringement with a large <laughs> Welcome CPG just launching firm. a new food brand. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up evolving to Sun and Swell, which we think is a, a more well-rounded reflection of Santa Barbara anyways. So we're happy with where we ended up. But um, yeah, the whole the whole idea was really just like, have you hear the name and see the branding and feel that California lifestyle come through. Very, very cool. Love it. All right. So um, looking ahead, next six to 12 months, what are the keys to growth? What are you focused on? How are you thinking about growing the business and how are you getting the word out? Like how are you, besides this podcast, of course, how are you getting the word out? How are you getting the message out about your product? Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of have a two prong growth strategy. Um, we, we kind of view e-commerce and then our wholesale as um, I mean, those are two big channels. Um, e-commerce is, uh, is the, the one that's always more challenging to grow because it's, you know, the, the really fast growth e-commerce wise is a lot of paid spend. Um, exactly. So, no doubt. Yeah. So we Lesson do learn for all listening. It doesn't just happen. You turn a website on people start ordering. Yeah, no, definitely not. But we are focused on kind of more comprehensive, uh, marketing strategy for e-commerce. So it's not just relying on paid spend. Um, but um, but then with wholesale, we're really focused on going after some, just kind of awesome. We're we're brief. We were did a lot of corporate offices before um, COVID. Those are finally starting to come back. Um, selling snacks into corporate offices. So really, just refocus, staying focused on those alternative channels. But um, really looking for some kind of larger volume um, plays within that world of alternative. Got it. Interesting. Also, you saw on Amazon. I saw great reviews. Yeah. Um, very very cool. So. I love to ask our guests, um, especially entrepreneurs like you, some of your biggest lessons learned. And you come from a corporate background here. You know, you kind of got this, you got perspective of working with other retailers and consumer goods brands before. Here you are launching your own. Uh, We have a lot of entrepreneurs listening. What would be two or three lessons learned you could share in the time that you've been launching the brand, knowing you got lots of runway and growth in front of you, but like, you know, been a couple of years, like what would be a couple of things you'd offer to our audience? Yeah, I think one of I think the first thing is um just like don't focus on perfection. Like don't wait till you get the perfectly right product. Don't wait until your brand like everything's not gonna go as expected and it's gonna change. And so just just get something out there and be ready to evolve. Like be flexible with your product, be flexible with your strategy, and listen to the market, listen to your customers and evolve, um, evolve with that as needed. Um I think another big thing for me is really just staying in the mindset of, uh, I really, I I really rely on the mindset of the universe, like has a plan for where this business is going to go. It's not in my control. And that's like the biggest, I think, I think when you try to control a startup too much, it just, it's so frustrating. And 
I can tell you every single time we've had a crazy, crazy, crazy roadblock or child. I just gave you the example. We got a, a season desist about our brand name from a large firm. I mean, that felt, <laughs> I can laugh at it now. I know. At the I time, it probably it, was stressful. It oh my God, horrible. legal. We're going to get sued. Oh my God, what do we do? We have to I mean, change our name. The change products are on the market. Right. Like, oh my God, we got packaging with our name on yes, it. Yes, exactly. And like, but in hindsight, I'm so grateful for that because I love our name now more than I did before. And I think it's like, you know, and that's happened with every challenge that we face. And I think like, if you can just trust, like, this is like, you know, it's going to happen for me, the message might happen. And I think the, the last thing is the journey, like the journey is your own. It's not anybody else's. And it's so hard to remember and listen. Like, it's so hard to go on LinkedIn and see what other people are doing, see how much other people are raising, see what retailers they're in. And you know, that's not the right strategy for you, but to, it's hard to tune that out and not question, wait, should I be doing that? Like, or should I be, you know, so it's like really just trusting your gut and sticking with what you feel like is right for you and not getting distracted by all the noise that, that you hear and see. <sighs> That's so hard. It's so hard <laughs> it's not really to hard. get, I, I, it's, you know, I, I heard it phrased the comparison trap, right? And it's, yeah. and it's so hard, especially, and I love Link. I use LinkedIn every day for so many things. Um, and in the media and all, I mean, like it, it's it's a highlight reel, right? Instagram. I mean, I and you don't know what those other brands have gone through or going through, how much they've had to spend to get. I mean, like you you don't. So it's hard, but you still it's it's hard not to get caught up in the comparison trap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally, exactly. Oh, yeah, so challenging. Exactly. Um, so excited for you. Um, share it before we go. Like, what what are your best sellers? What like it, it, for our audience that haven't discovered Sun and Swell? Like, talk about your best sellers, and then we'll talk about where people can buy it. Yeah, so our, our Energy Bites are still one of our top sellers, our, our OG product line. But the other thing people really love that tastes, I think just because they're coming, like the, the supply chain's shorter, they taste fresher and more delicious, um, are dried fruits. So people love like our dried mangoes and our dried peaches and our our dates. I know you you weren't familiar with the Medjool date, but I can tell you. I know, you, sorry. It's, I know. It's one- <laughs> There's probably people listening going, dude, how do you not know the Medjool dates? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, they're like, I feel like they're bigger on the West Coast. They're grown out here, but they're like, they taste, so they're, they're called nature's candy and they, they deserve the name. But, um, but they, it. yeah, I mean, I think our, our dried fruits are incomparable to where you can get anywhere else. Um, and that's, yeah, that's what we tend to sell a lot of those and, and our nuts too. That's very, very cool. Um, so excited for you early days, even still five years in, I mean, the lit- entrepreneurs listening five years in doing great. <laughs> And still early days, lots of room for growth and, <laughs> yes. and um, opportunities in the market. You know, just got to keep thinking. This wasn't like, you know, it took three three months and we're out and we're in all these stores. Yeah. Um, share with our audience, Kate, where we can find you, connect with you, buy your product, et cetera. Yeah. So our website's always a good place to start. It's just www.sunandswellfoods.com. Um, we also have, uh, we are also on Amazon and, and, um, you can find us in, you know, a bunch of coffee shops and other retailers all across the country, but, um, Whole Foods in Southern California is the other, the other place if you live out here. So cool. Sun and Swell. Uh, I love the name. love the product. Um, You got to come back on down the road, share more stories with us. I love saying that, especially with brands like yours that have like so much uh, in front of you. Kate, so great meeting you and look forward to having you back on down the road. Thanks for coming today. Thank you. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. 
You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.